Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Good morning, church. <laughs> you know, um, I'm not Apostle Sharon either, okay? <laughs> Let's just, no, let's get rid of all those titles. But um, it is really special to get to, you know, usually I'm down at Kids Church at this time. So it's really special to be up here with the big kids. Um, it's unusual and unique. And um, so thanks for giving me your ear for uh a few minutes. You know, um, we've been talking about Daniel, and with Daniel, we've been saying how he was a man who really walked the talk. Um, he had a long history of really depositing things in, of li in his life that made a difference, and um, he was able to withstand some pretty tough circumstances, you know, and um, without self-destructing, like, you know, he got thrown in a lion's den and he didn't get eaten. That's pretty significant, you know? And so we've been hearing every week about how to have this unshakable faith. And, you know, when we started this Daniel journey, we have the opportunity to read along in Daniel. And so I put it on my phone, on my app, and, and I'm like, I'm going to get ahead because, you know, I always fall behind. And so I started reading and chapter after chapter, and I got to Daniel 5, and I read about the handwriting on the wall and kind of stopped me in my tracks. And actually, it stopped me from even going forward. Like I've been pondering a lot about Daniel 5 and the handwriting on the wall. And um, honestly, I haven't got a lot further past that, and, and I know we've moved on past that, but um, I would imagine if Daniel was standing right here today and we were to ask him, so Daniel, how's life working for you? I would imagine that Daniel would say, hey, read the writing on the wall. And, um, you know, he was a guy who his faith was solid and it could not be shaken. He had made some decisions early in his life where he had decided no matter what happens, even if I get thrown into a den of lions, no matter what happens, God is faithful, and my life hangs on that. I'm taking that to the bank. He had made those decisions. And so if somebody was to ask him, well, how's it working for you? Well, read the writing on the wall. That's how life is working for me. Um, my God cannot fail. So today, we're going to learn about the flip side of that, the guy who didn't do the things as Daniel did. He didn't deposit the things in his life, and his life blew up, he lost everything, and it fell apart, and he ended up dying. And um, I just thought that this this particular message, though, you know, it's written in the Bible so very long ago, I just really felt like it was a prophetic word for us today, that um, the age means nothing. Even though it's Old Testament, it's so fresh and so new and so alive and for us today. So um, a little bit of the backstory. 
And you know, we could read it, but I, I think I can maybe say it a little quicker. Maybe not. But um, a little bit of the backstory is that, like I said, Daniel had this long history. He was a credible man, okay? Different kings had called him in. He had interpreted different dreams for kings. He had shown that he was not going to bow to the demands of a king. He was going to worship the only one true God. He had already had a history of that. And so there was a party in the palace. And the king's name, and I'm just going to call him King B., just because I'm with Misa, those names are a little complicated. So King B was having this party, and there was a lot of wine flowing, a lot of wine, a lot of women. It's getting out of control, and he, want, he calls for these chalices. Now, the interesting thing, I thought the story, it brought up these chalices in that these were very special. They're special goblets, whatever you drink wine out of, but they were stolen, and they were stolen from the temple, and they were sacred. And so, you know, when he's calling for these chalices to pour wine in, it's like, oh, this, this story's going bad in a hurry, right? And so this party's going on, and all of a sudden, this hand comes up and starts writing on a wall. Now, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I used to have nightmares of hands coming out from under my bed. And so this hand is not attached to anything. This is just a hand that's starting to write on a wall. I'm like, wow, that is a nightmare in the making, right? And so it starts to scribble on the wall. And, you know, I would think that the king would say he would probably blink and blink twice and maybe again. And I would have thought that he would say, you know, we've had too much to drink. Let's call this party done and let's all go to bed and let's wake up in the morning and hope for a different outcome, right? That's what I would have thought. But for whatever reason, this hand commanded his attention. And so the queen starts to hear about all this drama that's happening in the palace. And the king is freaking out, and, and rightly so. It's, it's nightmarish. This hand is writing on the wall. And so the queen comes to ask, what's going on? What's happening? And um, so King B says, well, look, you can see for yourself, there's all this scribbling on the wall. What does it mean? And so he's calling for all his, you know, fortune tellers and everyone who knows how to interpret dreams. And he promises that he can make them rich. If you can interpret these words, you will be rich. And so you can imagine, they all gave it a good go. They all wanted to be rich, right? But um, nobody was able to interpret it. So the queen says, you know, we know this guy. And he's got a history of interpreting dreams. In fact, he interpreted a dream for your dad. We'll call him King In, King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, he, he was very accurate in his dream. Let's call him in. So, so Daniel comes in, and he is going to interpret the writing on the wall. And um, first, what Daniel does is he compares King B with King B's dad, King N, okay? So he compares them. And he says, you know, um, your dad had a lot of power. And he could take someone up and he could take someone down. And he said, you know, jump high and jump to the left and jump to the right. And you did it. He had a lot of power. But your dad had a very big head and he had a very hard spirit. 
And so what God did for, for King In is he sent, he sent him out to pasture for seven years. And he got to eat grass. You guys remember the story from a few sermons ago? He ate grass for seven years. King Nebuchadnezzar was sent out to pasture. He lost his mind. He became an animal for seven years. Now, for one, I'm like, God, when you want to tell me something, don't let it take seven years. I mean, come on, right? Let me be a little quicker than seven years. I don't want to go around this tree again and again and eat grass, right? Then he... Um, he he reminds him of his dad and he compares him to his dad. When he compares him to his dad, he said, um, you know what? You have worshipped deaf and blind and imbecile gods. I had to look up the word imbecile because it's not usually a word I use. And it just said stupid, which stupid isn't even really a word I use. But um, that's pretty powerful that you know, King B, this is what you've done. You've worshipped these gods, and they're gods who they can't, they can't hear, they can't see, and they're stupid. And you've given no regard for what you've learned, what your father learned, or anything of the one true God. Okay, so King B, I am going to interpret the writing on the wall for you. Now, this writing on the wall, I feel like for us today, like I said, is a prophetic word. Um, the beautiful thing about the writing on the wall is that though it, it seems super sobering, I know this place here is rich in mercy. I know the presence of God is so strong here. I know what the blood of Jesus does. And though it's a prophetic word for us, it is an invitation um, for many of us to start over and for many of us for God to redeem the years that have been wasted. Now, if you've wasted a lot of years, this is a really great message because the mercy of God is thick in here. You felt it in worship. You felt the mercy of God, right? You knew his presence was here. You knew his heart was so for you that if there was tears, he was catching them. You felt that. I know you felt that. And so as we're talking, you know, it may be that you're going to hear Jesus speak to you. could be for the first time. Pay attention to that. You know, you might think when Jesus talks to me, it's going to sound like this awesome, holy voice. But oftentimes when Jesus talks to you, it's just a thought. It's a thought that you can't shake. It's a thought that you can't shake and it doesn't condemn, but it bids you to come. It bids you to come closer. So if you hear that thought, pay attention to it. A thought that will tell you it's over with, you're a loser, it's not God's voice, okay? But a thought that bids you to come close and says, we can do this, let's start over. That's God's voice. So if you hear it, pay attention because God is inviting us today to do some things different, okay? This is a, a prophetic word for us. So what did, what did the hand on the wall write? The first word that it said was, God has numbered your days 
and they don't add up. Now, King B was, his life was over. I don't know if he knew that at the moment, but that's what he was saying is, they, your, your days don't add up, your life is over. You've had all this time to make decisions, to do things, to, your time matters, and the way you spend your time matters, and who you worship matters, and where you go matters, and what you say matters, and you've had all this time, King B, and you lived as if it doesn't matter, and your time is up. What a sobering word, huh? Time really does matter. The second word was, you've been weighed on the scales and you don't weigh much. How you spend your time matters and what you spend your time with is weighed and that matters. And now you've been put on the scales and they don't weigh anything. Now remember, King B, he had everything. He had everything he could have wanted. Riches, fame, power, people, you know, comfort, pleasure. He had it all. And it didn't matter. It was hollow. He had all this stuff and it was hollow. It didn't matter. It didn't weigh anything. Now, I got to tell you, if you're on a diet, that's not me, is it good? Okay, <laughs> I just never know. If, if, you're, if you're on a diet and somebody tells you you weigh nothing, I'm there. That is good news, right? But if you are in a party getting drunk, I can tell you you are not on a diet because you are not counting calories when you're getting drunk, right? This I know. So, you know, it's the only time that it's good news that you weigh nothing. That's the only time it's good news. Um, <laughs> it really does, what you put inside really does matter. Um, have you ever had a friend or a relative, someone close, seem like their life was going really great, and then all of a sudden they just bit the dust? Like, you, you, just, you just scratch your head and you're like, what the heck happened to them? Like, what, where, did it, where did it go south? Well, I'll tell you what happened. The way they spent their time and what they invested in themselves, when they got on the scales, there was no weight to them. So when the storms of life came, when the winds blew, everything was shaken, washed away, fell apart. It really does matter. Um, the only time I know that we really like scales <laughs> is when we're weighing a fish, a big fish, <laughs> or when a newborn baby comes into the world. <laughs> That's the only time I know that we like scales, right? Scales are a lot of reality. They're a lot of reality. Um, the third word on the wall was, hey, your kingdom, it's been divided and handed over. You know, everything you've worked for all these years and that you think you have and you think you've reached the pinnacle of power and fame, yeah, it's over. And that night, King B was murdered. What a terribly sad ending, right? Um, he didn't even get seven years to go out into the pasture. 
<laughs> you know, at least King Nebuchadnezzar, God had mercy on him, and he got to go out in the pasture for seven years. But King B, he was murdered, and it was over. It was too late. Um, there's a couple of takeaways that I got from this, especially for my life, but probably for all of our life. And that is that the handwriting on our wall has always been, it's been from birth to now. Have we always paid attention to it? Probably not, you know? But it's, it's there, it's on our wall. And um, the fact that you're here at church today speaks volumes. It's not too late. You guys made a really great choice today. First of all, um, you, you, you came. The fact that you're alive says you have time. Time is still ticking for you. You made a choice to invest in church, in God. Um, and so, so it's not too late. The handwriting in your wall, whatever it may be, it's not too late because you, you still have time and you're here and you're wanting to listen, you're pressing in. I feel like that the handwriting on the wall is an invitation to get on the scales. You know, um, like we said, the scales are a big dose of reality. And there's not a one of us that likes a doctor's appointment, um, a physical exam, none of us like the reality of all of that. It is a really big dose. But these scales are really different these scales, they weigh our affections, they weigh our beliefs, they weigh our values, um, they weigh our convictions, they weigh even our time, is what these scales weigh. Um, the one thing with King B is he put all these things on the scale and when it came to the end, they weighed nothing, so there was no anchor to them. They didn't hold him at all. Um, you have to know that Satan has some really big traps. You know what, it's not just Satan. We can't blame everything on the devil. You know, you gotta know, we do a pretty good job ourselves, right? We, we sabotage ourselves a lot too. So it's not just Satan. It would be so easy if we could just blame him. Man, but we can't. So some of the traps that you need to be so aware of is Satan loves to get us to chase lies and distractions. He just loves that, especially because so many of the lies are partly true, you know? Like, if you're not keenly aware of it, before you know it, you'll bite that lie, you'll chew that lie, and you'll digest that lie, and then you'll live that lie. And then it becomes part of your person. Like one of the lies I realized just yesterday was, you know, Sharon, nobody really wants to listen to you because you're, you're kind of old. Now, like what I tell them in kids' churches, I'm just a little old. I'm not a lot old, I'm just a little old. That's what I tell them in kids' church. But anyway, it's... It's easy to bite that lie, and it's easy to chew that lie. It's really easy, but it's a lie. It's partly true because I am a little old. It is partly true. 
but it still is a lie, right? And it is Satan's trap to get us to chase lies. And lies and idols, that's what he wants us to chase. He wants us to fill our life with things that are very weighty, but they have no weight. So, you know, addictions, blame, things that are so weighty, regret, shame, they just weigh you down, they chain you up. He just wants to fill our life with those kinds of things. And they're just, like I say, they're so weighty. But when it's all said and done, there's no substance to them. Those things produce really hollow people. Really hollow people who have no future. And you know what? Don't be silly to think that um, this is all there is to life. You know, when this is over with, this is... This life is not over with. There's a lot going on past this life. And don't be so silly to think that, you know, it's my life and I can do what I want. Because I'll tell you what, I've never, ever, ever seen where one life doesn't affect one life, doesn't affect one life. It's a domino, right? It, it is just not true. Now, I know it's a famous, famous saying among, you know, Teenagers, hey, it's my life. I know that. I know that's that's a famous word. It's also a famous word around, among, you know, young adults, middle agers, old agers. It's a famous line. Hey, it's my life. I can do what I want. No, it's not your life. It affects the next person and the next person and the next person, and there's somebody who's going to cry tears over your choices. You know? So we need to make necessary adjustments before it's too late. And that's the beautiful thing about this word today is that though it's very sobering and it's very prophetic from Daniel, it's not too late for us. And we can make necessary adjustments. And why? Well, For me, for you, for the sake of the kingdom. I mean, we live in a really crazy time. It's a really crazy time. And we need to make necessary adjustments for the way I'm going to live here and the way I'm going to live there when this life is over with, you know? And um, like I know when I was in my 20s, I... I wrote what I wanted on my tombstone. <laughs> and people would say, man, Sharon, that's kind of morbid. You're only in your 20s. But I just realized that, you know, writing on my tombstone said everything how I wanted to live today. And this is when I was in my 20s, when what I wrote in my 20s was far easier than in my 60s. And I would imagine it's far easier in my 60s than it's going to be in my 70s. And if I lived in my 80s, I would imagine it's far easier in my 70s than my 80s. Because things just get, you know, they just get a little different, you know. But what I wrote on my tombstone is, she was brave and soft. And they seem like they're opposites, 
you know? But I saw in my 20s that many people who say they're lovers of God are not brave and are not soft. And people don't really want to be around them, you know? And I thought, I don't want to grow up and I don't want to grow old to be a person that nobody wants to be around. I want to be brave. I want to tackle life head on. Come what may, throw me in the lion's den. My God will never fail. Come what may, right? I want to be brave. Whatever happens, whatever comes my way, I want to be brave. And I want to be soft. I don't want to be someone who's cynical or who blames or who shames or who accuses. I don't want to be that person at all. I want to be brave and I want to be soft. And they go together. But it's not, it's, it's few words and a lot. So one of the things that I, I do to make necessary adjustments, okay, and this is just a tool that might help you. When I make necessary adjustments in my life, I ask myself a lot of questions. So, um, you know, say this is a physical exam for your soul. It's a physical exam for your heart. It's a physical exam for your mind. So it's a little bit of a different doctor appointment. This one we're going to the great physician who loves you, who loves you with unending love. It's a different kind of appointment, okay? And when I go and I stand before my great physician, it's a reality check. And I ask myself questions, okay, like, who am I blaming today? Um, why is nobody my friend? Why do I feel so unloved? I ask myself hard questions. You know, it's so easy to point fingers. Like, I've asked myself some really hard questions with this pandemic and with this war that's going on. And um, if I was to say some words, I would say, don't vocally say anything, but just see what kind of reaction it stirs, okay? So zip your lips and pay attention to what goes on on the inside. Okay, so if I say freedom fighters, BLM, Trump, Biden, Vaxxers, anti-vaxxers. All of you guys had some kind of response, right? Because everybody's on one side or the other. And um, I, have to, I had to ask myself these questions. First, at the start of the pandemic, I had to line things up to the words of Jesus. Okay? So... I get it that the pandemic was, at first we didn't know much, and there was big safety issues, and so, you know, everything has evolved, I get that. But one of the things I had to really line up with the words of Jesus is that life is not to be grasped. Life is to be lived, and life is to love. And life is about someplace bigger than here. 
This is just so small. So for me, I decided that to hide in my room was not life. Now, that was just one thing I lined up to the gospel, okay? And as things have evolved, we've learned more and all of that. Um, Vaxxers, anti-vaxxers. I know for me, vaxxers, I love them. Anti-vaxxers, I love them. It's not a dividing line for me because the gospel is not, that is not the words of Jesus. That is not the words of Jesus. So for me, you know, I am, yes, amen to both. I get both. There's this and there's that, and I get that. So I've had to ask some really hard questions. Same with this war, you know, with this war going on. And um, some of those people, it just showed up on their doorstep. And I've asked myself the question, Sharon, if this war showed up on your doorstep, what kind of person would you be? What, what would you do? Would you shoot them? Would you, would you try to reason with them? Would you try to bring the life of Jesus to them? What if a horde of kids came to your home? Or, or worse, you know, what if it was more than that? What if it was more than my house could even hold? What if, what if, what if all the homeless came to my home? What if all the homeless in Las Cruces came to my home? That's cutting a little deeper. It's easy to let the kids in, right? All the homeless in Las Cruces came to my home. What would, I, what would you do when, it, when you're squeezed, what comes out, you know? And I've had to ask myself some of those really hard questions. And that's how you, that's how you do an honest evaluation of where you're at. It's not, it, when I mention all these words, it's so easy to say, yeah, and they need, and they should, and they didn't, and, but hey, what if you put your name in there? What if you put Sharon, take out, Freedom fighters, take out BLM, take out Trump, Biden, Sharon. What does Sharon need to change? What does Sharon need to change to make a difference in this world? Because this world is just a taste. It just isn't all there is, right? What does Sharon need to change to make a difference? How can I bring weight to a weightless people? How could I bring substance to my friends at Walmart and at Sonic and all these places I go to every single day? How could I bring weight to a weightless community, right? So you ask yourself a lot of questions. Ask yourself, what, what God that's deaf and dumb and imbecile is on the throne of my life? What God am I serving, you know? Is it money, is it pleasure, is it addiction? What has occupied my mind? Where, where did I get the idea that only girls can satisfy me or only boys can satisfy me or I need another man? Where do we get that idea? It's a God, it's an idol, right? So you step on the scales, you step on the scales. Now, when we were worshiping, I just had this picture, you know, that these scales, like I told you, they're different. They're different kind of scales. And I had this picture. I wish I could invent it. I could be rich if I invented it. But <laughs> I, it's just a scale that's a cross. And it's a different kind of scale. So you step on it. It's a lot of reality. Things that have just weighed us down, chained us up, but are weightless. 
but we've, we're stepping on the cross. It's the cross. It's the mercy of God. Not only can he give us new handwriting, but he can redeem wasted years. He can write it all over again. Man, that is incredible, isn't it? You ask yourself the questions. And then you've got to know, guys, you have to get really, really, really good at this. Get really good at knowing what is true and what isn't, what is a lie and what isn't. When you hear, when you hear somebody blaming, know they're chasing lies. When somebody's living in yesterday, they're chasing lies. When they're living in regret, they're chasing lies. You've got to get good at it. Now, it's not to point a finger at someone else. It's for you. What do I need to do to change? It's not for someone else. Like, to come up after this message and say, that was so good, I'm going to give it to all these. No, you missed the whole point. <laughs> this message is for me. It's for me. <laughs> it's not for everybody else, right? Um, Living for the moment, yeah, it's a lie. You got to weigh everything to Jesus' words. And if it's contrary, it's a lie. Okay, that's how you can tell. If, if this thought, if this action, if this behavior is contrary to the words of Jesus, it's a lie. And don't chase it because it's weightless. It will get you nowhere. It, it, will, not, it will not get you anywhere. Um, let me just read a couple of things that are weighty. These are things that you got to invest your life in, okay? And like I say, it's not just for now, it's for later. It's for the sake of your brother. It's for the sake of your grandkids. It's for the sake of your children. It's for the sake of your mental health. So many people are tormented with fear. Good golly, this is for the sake of your mental health. Let's see, do we have Psalm 139? Oh, yes, you shaped me first, inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. You guys are marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. You guys are a masterpiece. Now, when that thought comes, I'm not loved, I'm not worth loving, life isn't worth living, those are lies. You gotta know those are lies, okay? This is what you build your life on. You are a masterpiece, every bone in your body. I was even thinking, you know, of all the crippled bones. I was thinking of Dale's bone that's got metal in it. All the bones, all the bones. It doesn't matter where the bones have been. All the bones in your body, carefully sculpted. This will give you weight to your life. What about lamentations? I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. 
but there's one thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. Mm. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. Oh, God. Right? It doesn't matter, guys, what the writing on your wall is today. Today is a new day. The faithfulness, the mercy, the kindness, the forgiveness of God is here, and it's a new day. And that is weighty, my friends. That is worth building your life on. And the last one is Psalm 51. Generous in love, generous in love, God, give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You're the one I violated, and you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me, it's fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time, in the wrong since I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then, conceive a new true life. Mm. Isn't that so beautiful? As if God doesn't know it all, right? He already knows it all about you. Yeah. And then this one, if you guys, if you all read, um, if you read your U version, it was just the very simple scripture today. I'm like, wow, that really says it. But there's also this. It's not too late. God's personal message. Come back to me and really mean it. Come fasting and weeping, sorry for your sins. I love how it says that God sees it all. You know, like the scales, they're a big dose of reality for us but not for God, because <laughs> he already sees it all, right? So I think in closing, you know, I think God is just, he's just giving us an invitation. Like, for one, can you be brave? Can you step on the scales, the scales that are formed as his cross? Can you turn on the lights? Um, can you do the one thing today? Just one thing. You know, like me and Dale, we have this closet. And we've been trying to clean it for maybe three years. <laughs> that unbelievable. And it's not a big closet. It just isn't that big. It's just overwhelming. It's just overwhelming when you just have, you know, too many shoes, too many clothes that don't fit, whatever, you know. And... Um, so we decided, you know, if we just take out five things a day, we're going to get there. When you look at it, it's so overwhelming, but just five things a day, we'll get there. Now, we're still not there, <laughs> but we're getting there. And that's how this is. Sometimes you look at your whole life and it feels really overwhelming, you know. And I feel like God is just saying, come, let's just do the next thing. Let's just do one thing. If the one thing is you've never made peace with God, that's the one thing. That's really important. Because we don't know what happens when we walk out of here. We just don't. We have no guarantees. You know, that's the next thing. Or maybe the next thing is, 
you know, all these things that you've been putting on your scale, it's time to get on the scale and it's time to start taking them off. Like, yeah, my life is full of regrets. Okay, well, let's do the one thing. Let's just, let's just take the regrets off and acknowledge it. Yeah, Jesus, that's me. Regrets have really been keeping me from your presence. Okay, let's do that. You know, maybe, maybe you need to apologize to someone. And that's hard. Apologies are hard. I get that. You know, sometimes you just have to get the, I'm out. And then the sorry will come. It's just that first, I'm, you know. So what is the one thing? And every day, do a one thing. Just do the one thing. And pretty soon, you know, you're going to see that your scale you're starting to get rid of some of these weightless things that have really weighed you down. They've really weighed you down and you're starting to deposit some things that are really adding some weight to you. And there's gonna come a day when people are gonna say, oh yeah, Sarah, she's a woman of faith. She stands strong no matter what comes her way. Oh yeah, maybe she used to do this and this and this. Maybe that's how she coped, but she doesn't anymore. Mm -mm. She's a woman of faith. She believes God is faithful and he's got her back, whatever comes her way. So it's just the next thing, the next thing. Let's stand. If you guys want to be brave and get on the scale and do the one thing, take a step to the right. <laughs> All right, Jesus, you see us. Lord, we want to be brave. And this scale is just wrapped in your mercy. It is just wrapped in your mercy and your kindness. And God, we get on the scales and we say, yes, we want to do the one thing. The one thing. Jesus, speak to our hearts. Tell us what the one thing is. Tell us what it is, Jesus. Because we say yes to you. We know. We know that you're here and you're present. God, I just ask that you give grace right now that we could take regret off of the scales. We could just take it off and we could say, lay it to the side, that you could write a new story for us, Jesus. Write words, write your new words, your fresh words, write your words, Jesus. Yesterday is over, it's done. The blood of Jesus washes your yesterday. It washes your yesterday. Jesus, we are laying our blame down holding on to what, every, what is everyone else's fault. We're just taking that heavy, weightless, 
rock and we're putting it over here, Jesus. And we say, here, here, here are we, Lord. We are standing in need of you, God. Jesus, come. Come and rewrite the words on my wall. I'm not a blamer. I'm not a shamer. I'm one who gives life to my brother and my sister. Rewrite those words, Jesus. Now, God, I just ask that you would kiss your people with your tender, loving care, with your mercy and grace. God, that they would leave here with a full awareness that there's a new day and a new story and new writing and new years for them. And we take your words to heart, God. You're a good, 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 kind God who is always faithful. Whatever comes our way, we bank our life on that, God. You are faithful always and forever and ever. Now bless your people, God. Amen. Amen. If anyone needs prayer, we'll have prayer teams here. And uh, know that you're so loved and wanted. And um, have a great Sunday. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.